Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our study of the Bible. Here we study the Bible and we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. If you've not been able to listen to all the books we've covered and studied, you can find them on all up podcast platforms that's Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Podbean. And I believe the Lord shall speak to you as you listen because there is no limitation to revelation. God reveals his word to everybody who shows the need to everybody who wants God to speak to you. He will speak to you. And he's given you the Holy Spirit who is within you. He will reveal the word to you. So even as you listen, you get a new message. Even as you listen... God shall bring something new that you might not even hear in the podcast, but God will speak to you about something. His word is new every morning. When you read it today, he gives you a message. You can come back, read the same scripture a month later, and God gives you a message speaking to your current circumstance because his word is alive and it's new every morning. Now, We've done 25 books of the Bible so far, and today we're continuing with our book of Ezekiel. And uh, we looked at seven chapters. I will start with chapter 8. And it starts by saying, It came about in the sixth year, on the fifth day of the sixth month, as I was sitting in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell on me there. What is happening, remember Ezekiel is part of the group that has been taken into captivity. He's taken with a group that was taken with the king, Jeconiah, and those officials, the people who are huge, if you call them the big guns of uh, Judah at that point, were the ones that were taken by Nebuchadnezzar alongside Jeconiah. Now, when he takes away Jeconiah, who was king, and these officials of whom included Ezekiel himself, back home he appoints a king, a puppet king, who was called Zedekiah. And so, at this point, they are in captivity in Babylon, yeah. but still in Judah there has been appointed Zedekiah, who was supposed to pay tribute, is practically under Babylon. yeah. So at this point that we're talking about here, the elders of Judah, are seated with Ezekiel, and they are in captivity in Babylon. So, that's where he says the hand of the Lord fell on him while there. Then I looked, and behold, a likeness as the appearance of a man. From his loins and downward, there was the appearance of fire. Now, what we see here is Ezekiel... Now, we are looking at Ezekiel, and uh, he's out there, and God is appearing to him. There are visions he's receiving, the appearances he's receiving. We've seen that straight from the start of the book of Ezekiel, that he sees visions. He sees things that may be considered weird to others. Now, while he's before his friends, his elders, he's receiving such an image, he's stretched out the form of a hand, and caught me by a lock of my head. 
And the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem. Now he's being transported. There is a movement. He's not physically taken, but there is a transportation that is happening. He is picked out and moved to Jerusalem. The Spirit lifted him up and took him to Jerusalem in vision to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court where the seat of the idol of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy, was located. Now, back home with Zedekiah as king, yeah, with whatever is happening back home, things are going on. They did not learn. They kept on doing evil. They kept on installing idols. They kept on doing things that anger God. And now there is a transportation that happens to this man when the Spirit comes upon him. And that is a gift as well. Those are things we see that happen. That with God upon you, you can be taken to a place. And you see things that are actually happening there. This is what exactly is happening to this man, Ezekiel. He is going to witness. He's going to see things that are happening taking place in a place where he is not. He's back in captivity in Babylon, but he is going to witness events that are happening where? In Jerusalem, in Judah. And when he's taken, he's taken straight to the temple. And what does he see while he's at the temple? He first looks at a place that has all this uh, that has been set up by the people Jealousy, we are told, a seat of jealousy, an idol of jealousy. It is located where? In the temple itself. How far has Israel fallen? That in the temple of God, they are starting to put idols. We looked at that last time and we talked that it can be a place of worship, but idols have been installed. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there, like the appearance which I saw in the plain. Then he said to me, Son of man, raise your eyes toward the north. So I raised my eyes toward the north, and behold, the north of the altar gate was this idol of jealousy at the entrance. He looks at a temple, the temple entrance having an idol. And he said to me, Son of man, what do you see? Do you see? He asks a question. Do you see what they are doing? The great abominations which the house of Israel are committing here so that I would be far from my sanctuary. Can you imagine, this is a question, that they are doing all they can to push me away from my sanctuary. They are placing other gods here so that I depart. When you make all effort to chase God out of your life, when you decide to self-destruct so that there is no presence of God in your life. This is what they, these people are doing. They are setting up all things abominable. And God is saying, can you imagine what they are doing so that I am away from my sanctuary? They are practically saying, we do not need you in life. There are things we go through, however tough they may be. We do not abandon God. We do not enter into abominations. We ought to stick and do that which God desires of us and work with him 
walk with him. Do as he says because that is important. We don't look for other options. Israel here looks for other options. And when they look for other options, God says, I think they don't want me here. So he's asking him. But yet you still see greater abominations. He tells him, what you've seen about this idol of jealousy is just a starter. You're going to see deeper. So what does he do? He takes him further into the temple. Now these are temple affairs. This man is moving in the spirit. We've talked about the spirit of knowledge, the gift of knowledge that comes upon people, even to you who is listening to me, you can have that. The gift of the Holy Spirit can come upon you and you're transported and you're taken by the Spirit himself to a place that you see. Yeah? And some of us get shocked when somebody starts to tell you about things they have seen. Probably in your life, like, were you there? But it's a gift of knowledge. That's what has come upon Ezekiel. He's knowing things that are happening at the temple, yet he is not even there. He's in captivity in Babylon, but seeing events that are happening back home in Judah. So now, he says, okay, let me take you further. So he brought me to the entrance of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Hmm? He said to me, son of man, now dig through the hole. There is a, 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 a hole in the wall. And tells him, dig through it because behind that wall, there's something you're going to see. So I dug through the wall and behold an entrance. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations that they're committing in here. So after he has dug through, tells him, enter and see. So I entered and looked and behold, every form of creeping things and beasts and detestable things with all the idols of Israel were carved on the wall all around. The things that he had told them detestable. They decided to get an artist, someone good with art, and they carved them on the wall. They drew all sorts of evil beasts, all sorts of evil images, detestable things, including humans that human beings that could be in funny dress code or naked, fashioned in the walls, in one of the rooms in on the temple. That place that was a place of worship to God now has been turned into something else. And Ezekiel is seeing this in a vision. That is given to him where he's been taken back home to see what's happening back home. And says, can you imagine on this temple, there is a room that has art, artwork of evil. That happens. That happens even in some places of worship today. I'm not just talking about in the days of, of, of Jerusalem. No, even today, you can find them that have such that has been done. So, he says, look at that. They've carved it all around the wall. Standing in front of them were 70 elders of the house of Israel. Why are they standing before these carved images? They are worshipping them. That's what they are practically doing. 
Seventy elders have gathered. They are worshipping in this room of carved images. And it is in this same place that God is meant to dwell. And they are standing there, 70 elders of the house of Israel, with Jazania, the son of Shaphan, standing among them, each man with his censer in his hand, and the fragrance of the cloud of incense is rising. They are in worship. They are praying to these images that have been carved out on the walls. Yet, in the same building, on the same building, is the presence of God. In a place where we're supposed to worship God and pray to him and speak to him, you find that people have installed rooms that have evil in them. People have installed rooms that have other gods in them. People have installed rooms with beasts in them. That's where they go finding their power. And this is happening back home in Jerusalem. And they are there shaking each man with a censer in his hand. Then he said to me, son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are committing in the dark? Each man in the room of his carved images. That's what the leaders are doing. In the dark, nobody knows. When they come out, they look good. But in the dark, they are worshipping the devil. In the dark, they are seeking powers. They have forsaken the almighty God. For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. So, the reason they turn to evil, the reason they turn to other gods, the reason they've turned to these rooms, is because they've seen their fellow countrymen taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. They've seen their fellow Jews taken away into captivity. So they're like, does God care? We don't think so. Let him be there in the temple for us. We have our rooms here where we worship from. That's what's happening. The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken us. In times where you feel the Lord has not is not with you, does not imply he's not there. God was in the same room, in the same building that these people were out there worshipping other idols. In the place or in the state where you're seeking help from the things of the world, where you're seeking refuge from the things of the world, in that same place, God is there waiting on you. He says, I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. I see you. I am with you. But these leaders don't feel that because of the experiences they've gone through, because of the things they've seen, because of the turmoil you've seen in your life, that you come out and judge and say, God is not with me. How does that happen? Then you move to find solutions for yourself and worship other things. That's what these men have done. And he said to me, Yet you will still see greater abominations which they are committing. says, I have not shown you yet, my son, Ezekiel. Let me take you further. Then he brought me to the entrance of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. Now he's taking him further. And behold, women were sitting there weeping for Tamaz. He has taken him to show him something else. Now, he takes him to a gate 
gate of the temple. And there he finds women seated, weeping for Tamaz. Tamaz is a Babylonian deity. He's a god, someone they worship from Babylon. They've picked even habits from there and brought them to the temple of God. Yeah? And right now what Ezekiel is saying is seeing is people mourning for this Babylonian god, Tamaz. Now, if there is any evidence that these people have lost trust in God and have chosen to get into adultery, it is this. Because whatever they do now, they even do it at the temple. That's where they've brought their sorrow for Tamaz at the temple. Now, when you get into the mythology of Tamaz, they say he had a wife, a goddess called Inanna, and uh, what happens, this goddess, Inanna, goes back to the underworld to bring him back after he dies. So they, the reason they were weeping is that God, the Babylonian God, Tamaz, died. And now the wife, the goddess, has to go down and bring him back to life. Now, when Tamaz is dead... His absence in the land mentions and means that there is lack of fertility. Yeah? But when the goddess goes back to bring him back from the dead, he brings back restoration. So, these women wept over the departure of Tamaz. This was an annual ritual that was done every year. And they are remembering that event of their god who died and when he died, there was no fertility. So the wife went back, picked him from the dead and brought him back. And there was now restoration and peace. As crazy as that sounds, that's what they were doing. Weeping in celebration of or commemoration of this event, they are weeping for Tamaz. Saying, when you left, we were infertile. But now, the great goddess, your wife, brought you back and were restored. Those are the things that are happening at the temple gate. That is where they are worshipping from, a Babylonian deity. And now God is taking Ezekiel there saying, come and I show you what these guys are doing. Back home. You're in captivity in Babylon, but I'm showing you what's back home in Jerusalem. So he said to me, do you see this son of man? Yet you still see greater abominations than this. He says, that is just a starter. Let me take you further and you see. You've seen the women. You've seen the room. Yeah, now let me take you. Yet you still see greater abominations. Then he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the entrance to the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they were prostrating themselves eastward toward the sun. Now, there are religions we know that worship in such manner. These 
people of Judah. There are about 25 men, we are told here. They are at the entrance of the temple of God and they are facing the east, prostrating themselves toward the sun. This we know, we've seen. It happens, even today. There are religions that do that. Prostrate themselves toward at the east, toward the sun. And they're worshipping where? At the temple of God. And how does that happen? How much do we fall that we let that happen? They have fallen from God. They're worshipping other gods. This is clear to us that those who do it are picking it from somewhere, are picking it from a religion or a diet or whatever it is long ago that used to prostrate towards the east facing the sun. And that is not God that they're worshipping. Because it's God showing, Ezekiel saying, what they're doing, that's not me. It's not me they're worshipping. So right now, if they confuse you that they're worshipping God, that's a lie. Because here God himself comes and says, those who are prostrating themselves, facing the sun, putting their faces to the east, are not worshipping me. Yeah? So he said to me, do you see this son of man? Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations which they have committed here? That they have filled the land with violence and provoked me repeatedly. For behold, they are putting the twig to their nose. Therefore, I'll indeed, I indeed will deal in wrath. My eye will have no pity, nor will I spare. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not listen to them. God has said, this is enough. This is enough. What they've done, their time is out. And clearly here, Ezekiel has witnessed, is witnessing this which they have done. And what happens to us? That we fall so greatly. What happens to us? That we make such decisions and forsake the Lord and do things that don't matter and do things that anger God. Sometimes there are even rituals that we decide to take on. And you say, this is what we do for us when we are praying. We will face this side. And God is saying, that's not me. That's not how they talk to me. You talk to God, you go to him, you close yourself in a room, and you speak to him and he listens. That's all he demanded of the people of Israel. God is in their midst. He's in the center. Just right there in front of them, in the room, in the inner room, is where God is located. But he's saying, I am here. And you, Ezekiel, are seeing me. I am here. But guys are in their rooms, worshipping carved images. Women are at the gate, crying for tamas. These men are busy here, facing the east, prostrating themselves to the sun. Yet I am here, at the center. What are those things that we have decided to turn to? Decided to end up worshipping, looking to for help. 
Yet God is right in our midst waiting. He is right in our midst saying, Guys, here I am. Seek me, you'll find me. I am in your midst. Look for me, you'll find me. And that's what God is saying. He's saying, I am here. Do not look to the witch doctor. Do not look to the sorcerer. I am here. Do not look to that man who has promised you heaven on earth that is going to buy for you everything you wanted in life. So you're going to go and sell your body to them. He's saying, I am here. God is saying, do not look at the things that the world has come up with as solutions when I'm in your presence. He is showing Ezekiel that while you guys are out there in captivity, out there in Babylon, in suffering, in captivity, seated in your rooms, wondering what's going on and when you'll ever return home, the people that you left back home are messing it up more. And he says, because of what they are doing, I'm going to come out even if they cry in my ears. I will not hear. Sometimes, because of the iniquity that we commit, because of so much wrong that we do, the cup fills up and it gets to a level where it overflows. That even when you cry, there is no deliverance that comes. But we have a gracious God. He sent his son to come to die for our sin. And how gracious God is that he does not look at us like he did to these, but says, I give you an opportunity. We have sinned. We have done wrong. We have walked a funny life. And God says, I will save you. I will help you. I will look into your situation and pick you out. You have served other gods, but I'll pick you out. You have looked to other places for hope when I was right in your midst, but I'll pick you out. Accept the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. And when Christ dies on the cross, it is finished. You do not get condemned. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. You healed. Accept Christ. Walk with him. And all that, that cup which had filled up with iniquity is taken away. Just like that. For you right now, God has pity on you. God has mercy on you. Not like how he tells these, these, these people of Judah who are living this place in verse 18 of chapter 8. Yeah, You're not like them. For you when you cry, in his ears, he listens to you. Why? Because of the saving power of his son, the one that he sent to die for us. It doesn't matter. Right now, as you're hearing me speak about what has happened in your life, there is a new opportunity. There's a time to change. There's a time to take a decision to walk another path 
and it is today. You make a decision and say, I will leave the things of the world. I will leave what the world has come up with to tell me these are the solutions. And I will focus on the God who is in my midst. And I will walk with him. And I will listen to him. And I will ask him for guidance. And I will always speak to him. I forget all the carved images. I forget the God Tamaz. I forget the prostrating to other gods. I forget it all. And I focus on God because he is with me. There's nobody who can get to the Father except he goes through the Son. And you need Jesus in your life. And with him, you have everything. And if you're out there today and you've never taken Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a prayer that you can say. Simple prayer. And it starts a new life for you. You just say, Lord Jesus, Please come into my life. Transform my life. Today, I surrender my life to you. And I accept you as my Lord 